You're entering Outer Brightness. Fireflies. Last week we interviewed Micah Wilder from Adams Road Ministry, and now it is our extreme pleasure to interview his brother Matt. Matt served a two-year mission in Denmark from 2002 to 2004. He came to Christ after months of study, initiated by his brother Micah, who was sent home early from his mission for his profession of the biblical Jesus. Matt studied the New Testament and attended Christian worship events to learn more about Christianity. God showed him through the reading of the word, the Holy Bible, that Jesus saves by grace through faith apart from works. Welcome to the show, Matt. We're excited to have you here with us. Oh, thanks. So glad to be here today. Awesome. Well, first things first, uh, there's a question that our listeners are dying to know. Does pineapple belong on pizza? (laughs) You know, I'll be honest, uh, pineapple isn't my favorite, but I do like a little sweet with the meat, so it's not bad. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> nice. <laughs> so you're a little halfway on that. You're you're willing to. I, I I eat it. I eat pineapple with pizza, but it's it's not my number one go to move. It's like the state pizza in Utah. So I mean, you, you're forced to eat it at some point. Right. Some kind of church gathering. <laughs> right. Sometimes you just kind of got to go with the flows. <laughs> awesome. Well, that that uh, well that'll solve that issue. You know that people have been fighting for months over that. So glad we finally got the definitive answer. There you go. <laughs> so uh so i'm matthew you're matt so I'll, I'll just call you as matt so we'll keep it keep it straight if that's all right with you yeah it sounds good or you can call me the nuclear calvinist people call me that sometimes so <laughs> it's a long it's a, it's a long explanation for that so um so yeah so matt so would you like to describe for our listeners on the podcast how you were converted from mormonism to christianity yeah sure so i'll try to keep this short and simple. So basically I was raised in the Mormon church, grew up in the Midwest in Indiana. Uh, when I was about 16, between my sophomore and junior year, my family moved from the heart of the Midwest to the heart of Mormonism. We moved from Indiana to Utah, Alpine, Utah, which was about 98, 99% Mormon at the time. And I finished uh, my high school there and then served a two-year Mormon mission uh, for, the, uh, for the Mormon church. I went to Denmark. So I went on the streets for two years, learned their language, and tried to convince Danes that they needed to join this institution in, in order to have a chance to earn eternal life. Um, I remember one day confronting a Christian woman and, and trying to convert her to Mormonism or preach that, that message to her. And she responded by just sharing a very simple uh, message and asking me a very compelling question. She said, why can't what Jesus did on the cross be enough for you? And that made me so angry at the time. I think I was convicted by the simplicity of what that that message or that question was getting to. And that's the fact that the message of the cross was foolishness for me at the time. I love what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1.18, that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And so I just remember that question really impacting me as a Mormon missionary, but it didn't cause me to like change my mind right away or anything, but I 
I continued and finished that two-year Mormon mission trip and then was back at Utah and then studying piano performance at BYU, the university there in Utah, and really loved it. Um, one of the things that I always struggled with growing up was just having an assurance that I was forgiven for my sins from the time I was a young teenager, early teen, to the time that God saved me. Like I would cry out at night sometimes wanting to just know that I was forgiven and loved by God and doing everything in my power to try to do everything the Mormon church told me to do to, to be made right with God. But I just never, you know, I never dealt with this guilty conscience I had. So this is something that I struggled with on and off throughout my life and going into my college years. And so uh, while I was at BYU, I remember this one instance where uh, you're, you're required to take some religion courses there that focus on Mormon teachings and doctrines and stuff. And I remember one day the religion professor decided for whatever reason he was going to show the video of a, worship, uh, a, a video of a Christian worship team in their congregation singing the song Amazing Grace. And that really impacted me. It, it actually moved me to tears. And for some reason, like I was really just impacted by the message of that song and and I believe God through the Holy Spirit was really beginning to draw me to Jesus and open my heart to biblical Christianity. Well, it was around this time in my life that Micah got saved. As you mentioned, my younger brother Micah was on this interview, I guess, uh, the other week. And his testimony in a nutshell is that he was a Mormon missionary, tried to convert a Baptist pastor and got a challenge to read the Bible. He read the Bible thinking he could validate Mormonism and prove this guy wrong. And God ended up changing Micah's life through him reading the New Testament. And so he made a profession of faith in front of a bunch of Mormon missionaries and got sent home early, got in trouble because of his profession of faith. And then we had a chance as a family to confront him and ask him what was going on. And that's where he shared the good news of Jesus Christ with me and everything that he had learned through reading the New Testament. And then gave me that same challenge that that Christian minister had given him to read the Bible as a child. Um, and because of all these things going on in my life, kind of dealing with this guilty conscience and kind of having some doubts myself about Mormonism, by the grace of God, I actually took this challenge and started uh, reading and studying the New Testament, um, uh, like in a different way than I had as a Mormon, and really kind of approaching the Bible as if that is actually the God's final authority. It's his word. I can trust it. I can rely on it. I can, I can just seek, seek God through his word, through the Bible, and, and then find a relationship in that way. But I just remember, for example, getting to the book of Hebrews and being convinced that, that any system of laws and ordinances wasn't going to be sufficient to cleanse me from my guilty conscience, but that the blood of Jesus would be able to do that for me. I love Hebrews 9.14. It says, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And here I was in this religious system that I was realizing I was doing all these quote unquote dead works that I was trusting in for my salvation, these ordinances and whatever, but God was calling me to realize that I was dead in my sins and in my trespasses and that I couldn't rely on these dead works of this religion to, to be saved, but I had to turn from them, repent and, and believe this good news, the simplicity that Christ had died for my sins, was buried and was raised on the third day, all of this for my justification or so that I could be declared not guilty before God. One of my favorite verses that I, I came across in the book of Hebrews is that next chapter in chapter 10, verse 14, it says, by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. That's a big theme in Mormonism is, is um, eternal progress, progression and becoming perfect through the works that you're doing. Um, but I, I was realizing that I could find perfection in Christ, that I could rest in him and that he had done all the work that was necessary for me to have eternal life. That I simply needed to receive this as a free gift through faith. And, 
And I love in Hebrews chapter 10, it goes on to say, therefore, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. I think it's just a beautiful picture of what Jesus did in my life, that the blood of Jesus Christ cleansed me from my sin, and that my heart personally was sprinkled clean from that evil conscience through coming to know Jesus Christ, and his love was poured into my heart through his Holy Spirit that was given to me when I believed, and so I became born again in spirit, and the old had passed away, the new had come. No longer did I have this fear that I was going to be condemned. No longer did I wonder whether I was forgiven for my sins, but Jesus, uh, like, immersed me, baptized me into this this uh, relationship with him that was full of love and peace and joy and assurance and giving me this desire to want to share this good news with other people. And so I got saved back in 2006 by the grace of God through uh, the hearing of God's word and, and believing Jesus Christ. And then uh, God called me out of my religious system, out of my pursuits at BYU into ministry eventually. And so I ended up joining Adams Road and have been with the ministry now for many, many years. And thank God for the opportunity to be able to um, just follow him wherever he's called me and, and be able to share this love of Jesus with other people. And my, uh, my Baptist blood was boiling. I was like, I wanted, I wanted to just sh- jump up and say, Amen, brother. <laughs> yeah, right. That's great. That was great. Thank you. I, I resonated so much with a lot of what you said, like never feeling truly forgiven as a kid, you know, always feeling like you're on this hamster wheel is how I compare it to never sure. really getting that goal. And then once you realize, and the book of Hebrews too, I love the book of Hebrews. Once you understand what it says, it's like, why did I not understand this? Or why did I not study this? You know, it's so beautiful. Everything points to Jesus. So yeah, great. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. That is awesome. Thank you for sharing. Um, Now I want you to kind of go back and think to the first moment when Micah told you and approached you about biblical Christianity. And what was your first like, impression or your first thought and feelings related to that yeah first of all I was kind of I was kind of shocked I was like what changed your mind I mean here like I hadn't seen my brother in almost four years because I'm a couple years older than him I went off to Denmark for two years by the time I got back to where our family lived in Utah he had just been sent off to Florida and so so I had this assumption in my mind that he's going out zealously proclaiming Mormonism and that nothing has derailed that right and then all of a sudden towards the end of his two-year Mormon mission trip he only had about three weeks left he's getting sent home and told that this guy's like an apostate from, from the leadership and stuff. I'm like, what's going on? Like, Oh, you're off your rockers. You know what, what happened, Micah? And so that was my first thought initially. And so he shared um, the message of grace with me. And the thing that initially came into mind, which I think is common uh, for people in Mormonism, at least it was for me is like, I had this assumption that when people claim that they're saved by grace, it means that they're lazy um, I, I almost think like, yeah, being saved by grace, it's, it's too easy. It wasn't fair. Like, like, so believing such a doctrine, is just a cop out so that you can live however you want. That's kind of how I, I thought of my brother. Maybe, maybe he's dealing with some sins in his life and this is his way of kind of excusing and justifying his new lifestyle. I don't know. That's, you know, so I've got those questions. Another thing, uh, you're raised to believe in the Mormon church that mainstream Christianity is corrupt and full of division. So I'm thinking, well, why would you leave Mormonism for, for like biblical Christianity when, you know, in my mind, like it's, it's corrupt, it's full of division. Like they can't translate the Bible. They don't understand anything properly. Like, why would you leave this, this true institution and organization for something much less worthy? And the other thing that was really actually grabbed a hold of my attention was this idea of forgiveness. I remember Micah just emphasizing 
And it kind of tying it to the idea of King David and the forgiveness he received from Christ. You know, he sinned against God through Bathsheba and, and killing Bathsheba's husband. Um, and yet God um, put his transgressions behind him. He, he covered his sin and forgave him. And, you know, in the Mormon church, that's something that actually Joseph Smith changed in, in, in his translation of the Book of Mormon, that King David wasn't actually forgiven. And so I almost have this whole I ter- and kind of different idea of what it means to earn forgiveness. And so, again, remember, I, I was talking about how I spent my entire life trying to earn God's forgiveness and never really being sure that I had attained this this um, status. But Micah was claiming uh, forgiveness is a free gift. It's attained simply through faith in Christ. And so to me, honestly, that just sounded too good to be true. Like I honestly wanted the biblical Christian message to be true concerning forgiveness because I never had really felt forgiven for my sins as a Mormon. Um, I worked so hard to try to earn that forgiveness, but I was always feeling so guilty and condemned. Um, So again, I had my doubts, but I was, I was like that kind of, I was really curious, like, what do you mean you can be forgiven? And that this is a free gift. Yeah. I think as Latter-day Saints, as Latter-day Saints, yeah, you were kind of raised in this environment where it's almost kind of like the American individualist environment. You know, it grew up in that time where it's like, you can't get something for nothing. So that was, that was the same idea with forgiveness. Like, Oh, you can't just be forgiven. I mean, well, you just want to ask forgiveness and that's it. You know, (laughs) the concept was so foreign to us. Yeah. Amen. It's, 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 it's crazy when you think about it now, looking back, like, why did I ever hold on to such a system that wants to hold me hostage mm-hmm. from something that God gives freely, you know? Amen. But yeah, thank you for sharing that. I also wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, a little bit more about your mission experience. You talked about your time as a missionary in Denmark. Sure. I was a missionary in uh, Europe as well. I served in the Belgium and France, uh, dabbled a little bit in the Netherlands, but I, I didn't speak Dutch. So that's another story for another time. But yeah, it's if your mission was anything like mine, I left between 2007 and 2009. And you said you were from 2002 to 2004. Exactly. I think the conditions are probably pretty similar based on also my conversations with Paul, uh, because he also served in Europe. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit, it's a difficult place to serve. People in general are not very open to religion. Exactly. Um, and so when you served your mission and you returned home, did you struggle with your questions about being a return missionary and of your identity in Mormonism, did it affect how you were willing to accept the biblical gospel or to reject it? Did pressure yeah. of being a return missionary affect you? So yeah, like multi-tier great. questions, but just, you know, take it however you want. Yeah, that's a great question. It's a good thing to bring up just to bring a little bit of context to what it means for anybody who's a return missionary, who's facing that kind of prospect of, Oh, it is biblical Christianity the past for me, but but what does that mean? What does that implicate? Um, I prided myself on the fact I was a returned missionary. I'm serving a Mormon mission for a male. It's like a rite of passage for the culture of a place like BYU, where I went being what they call him an RM, return missionary. I think that's what they call him. So being an RM, it's, it's everything. Um, being a missionary was hard. And I, I mean, I felt like I earned my stripes. Like I went through two years of very... I mean, you're learning a language, you go on the street every day, seven days a week, and you're basically, it's exhausting. It was, for me, it was exhausting and burdensome. Um, I didn't particularly enjoy the Mormon mission trip, but I did it because I, I believe that that's what I was supposed to be doing. Um, it's actually not uncommon for Mormon missionaries to deal with depression and emotional issues. You, you, you have to think about it. Uh, we're preaching a false gospel. We dealt with rejection on a daily basis. As you mentioned, Europe, Scandinavia, places like that. They're not even interested most, for the most part. A lot of people even speaking about any kind of spiritual things or religion in general. So nonetheless, when you're 
you're bringing, you know, this particular sect of religion that's um, kind of extreme in a lot of ways. It, it was hard to, there was a lot of rejection and you dealt with that on a daily basis. Um, you're away from your friends and your family. You're not even allowed to call them on the phone, but once or twice a year, at least at, at the time that I went. And so, so I felt like I had earned, you know, this right. I, I had something that I invested a lot of my life into at that point. And so then I come home, I come home, he, uh, being a foreman, excuse me, being a return missionary was a huge part of my identity in Mormonism. Um, but honestly, the longer I had been off my mission, kind of that importance faded. And what became more important to me, honestly, was wanting to simply find peace and grace. Um, because I was, again, I was dealing in this life with so much guilt and so much fear um, that, that I, that became less important for me. But, but you're right, like the culture of being in a place like BYU, you're not a return missionary, you're not going to find a girl to date, you know, so on and so forth. Like people, it's, it's just a hard place to be and not be a return missionary. Yeah. So remind me of the timeline. You return home from your mission in 2004 yeah. and Micah got off his mission in 2006. Is that right? Exactly. So he got off his mission in early 2006. I was a junior at BYU. I had, I had went a year to college before my mission and then after my mission, I went for a couple more years and I was, you know, partway through my junior year when Micah got saved in January of 2006. Yep. It was actually funny. I, I don't think I mentioned this in my testimony, but I was actually dating the Mormon girl who I had met at BYU at the time. We ended up getting married and we ended up both getting saved and came out of a, a, a Mormonism into biblical Christianity and knowing Jesus. But that was a big part of the journey was kind of as God was changing me, like, communicating what was going on in my life with her and then seeing just how God took us both on our own kind of journeys and in our own timeline to, to coming to know him. Yeah. Praise God. I was, I was reading your bio on your website uh, about that. And I was just amazed how God worked through you, through your brother, through your, your wife. And, you know, it's just, uh, we have a gracious God who's, who's willing to, sh to show us mercy despite the fact that we don't deserve it. So, yeah. Yes, yes we do. Amen. All right, on to the next question. Um, so you have a special love and gift for music, composing it and playing the piano. So what got you into music? Yeah, it's hard to say. Like, I began taking lessons when I was six. And according to my parents, I would sit and bang on the piano as a young child, maybe as young as two or three. And I think they finally just decided they got tired of hearing me bang random noises on the piano. It's like, you need to take lessons. So apparently I was really interested from the time I was just a little wee kid and and been doing it ever since. Right. So you said you grew up loving music and mm -hmm. you grew up banging on the piano, as you said, as a young kid. Yep. Uh, eventually, eventually you stopped banging, right? And you actually started learning your your uh, chords and all that stuff, your progressions. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. At some point that happened. So. And, and so was it family that taught you mostly or tutors or school or, you know? Yeah, did you actually a little bit of everything. So. My, my great grandmother was a concert pianist and it kind of like music was always something this in the family. And then my mom played the piano as well. I took lessons from the time I was six all the way through high school. But yeah, I ended up, that's what I studied in college was piano performance at BYU. So yeah, I majored there. I, I went for a year before my Mormon mission, came back off my mission, actually utilized music a lot on my Mormon mission. And then uh, continued. And I was partway through my, you know, I finished up my junior year of school uh, when I got saved and ended up walking away and leaving all those things behind. So my background was more classical piano, like 
For example, while I was at BYU, I studied works like Rachmaninoff Preludes, Beethoven Sonatas, Bach Preludes, and Fugues. Uh, one of my favorite things to play was Rachmaninoff's Second Concerto. Uh, if you haven't heard that, it's a beautiful piece. But yeah, I, it's been years since I've you know fiddled with any of this stuff since I got saved. This this is kind of all in the past, but but it was a fun season of my life uh, studying music. And it's interesting how even before I got saved, God kind of has a plan in our lives, right? And but then He can take what we meant for one thing and he can turn it for his glory. It's good. Yeah. Amen. And, and your, your willingness to embrace the biblical gospel, even while you were almost, you were close to the end. Like you could see the end, the finish line for your degree at BYU. Yeah. And then I was reading your bio about how at that point you felt like you could no longer, you could no longer fulfill all of the questions of the, the for the ecclesiastical interviews that you had to maintain your student, your student membership at BYU. So can you tell us a little bit more about this decision? You know, like maybe yeah. the thoughts that were going through your head and everything. Sure. Yeah. So as you mentioned, there's an honor code agreement. Um, basically you have to have what's called like an ecclesiastical endorsement. And so one of the things in the honor code, at least at the time was disaffiliation from the church, from the Mormon church, if you're a good standing member meant that, that they would, they could discontinue your studies at the university. And so like I would, that was kind of where I stood. I, I kind of just felt that it was like, there wasn't really a choice. It was one or the other. It's like, if I'm going to follow Jesus and be a biblical Christian and stand for that, then I would need to make a choice between finishing my degree or being a Christian. Like, but it wasn't an easy thing. And that's what I struggled with. Um, but I, I've came over time, I've come over time and kind of learned that knowing and following Jesus would be more fulfilling than pursuing my own plans. Like, honestly, that's what I wanted to do. I wrestled with God for a while. I was like, God, why can't I just like lay low a little longer and finish my degree? You know, that would be, that would be easier. And I've worked so hard for this. Like, can I have it? And I, re- I just think back of, uh, you know, things like in Luke nine, where Jesus tells people, you know, they're, they're looking for excuses. They want to follow Jesus, but first they've got other priorities, right? Well, suffer me first, Lord, to do this. Let me first say farewell to my family and then I'll follow you. And Jesus says things like, um, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. So I kind of got to this moment, this realization where I just, I just needed to make a choice there. And then realize what what was God calling me to do as a Christian and was music going to play a role in that? And so it was kind of like just I had to throw all my chips out on the table and say, God, like, it's yours. Like, if you want me to do this, I want to do it the way you want me to do it. Otherwise, you know, like send me in the direction you want. And so it kind of makes me think of Ephesians 2.10, that we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so it was an interesting process when I got saved. It was a discerning and figuring out what was God's call for me as a Christian. Obviously, there's a clear call for all of us as believers, and we can read in God's Word what it means to be a believer and, and what are some of the things we should be doing. Um, but yeah, what, I, I believe that the Holy Spirit called me to a special ministry of music as well, and so that was kind of what led me into uh, uh, being a part of Adam's Road. Is it, It's a music ministry, but the heart and the focus isn't as much the music as it is really just testifying to the gospel of the grace of God and using music as a tool to glorify our great God and Savior and to emphasize the power and the significance of God's word in transforming lives. Here we had come out of this, 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 I had this life where I, I was in a drought, right? I mean, I, I was starving. I was thirsting for God's word. I didn't know it until I finally received it. Now that I've been satisfied, now that I've been fulfilled in Christ, like my desire then is like this mentality that Jesus gives us when he says in John 6, 63, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. 
And so there's a spirit, there's life in God's word and, and in proclaiming it and sharing it with other people. Amen. Praise God. Man. That's beautiful. I love that. Like combining the music and scripture together and um, the music that you play is so beautiful too. Um, yeah. And I love it. <laughs> You're listening to Outer Brightness, a podcast for post-Mormons who are drawn by God to walk with Jesus rather than turn away. Outer Brightness, Outer Brightness, Outer Brightness, Outer Brightness. There's no weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth here, except when Michael's hangry, that is. Hangry, that is. Hangry, that is. We were all born and raised in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, headquartered in Salt Lake City, Utah, more commonly referred to as the Mormon faith. All of us have left that religion and have been drawn to faith in Jesus Christ based on biblical teachings. The name of our podcast, Outer Brightness, reflects John 1.9, which calls Jesus the true light, which gives light to everyone. We have found life beyond Mormonism to be brighter than we were told it would be, and the light we have is not our own. It comes to us from without, thus outer brightness. Our purpose is to share our journeys of faith and what God has done in drawing us to His Son. We have conversations about all aspects of that transition, the fears, challenges, joys, and everything in between. We're glad you found us, and we hope you'll stick around. So, when you're creating music... Um what does your creative process kind of look like? Like when you're sitting down and creating music for um, what you do? Sure. So great question for me, composing music kind of comes in flashes. I'm often the actual composition process for a particular piece. It could happen very quickly in a matter of a few hours, even minutes. Um, sometimes I'm just like in a certain mood reflecting on a certain subject in scripture for example, and I'll start playing a melody or a chord progression that comes to me from within. And then, you know, if it turns into anything or it becomes anything good, um, I give all credit and glory to God. Um, I don't like composing if I don't feel inspired. I don't like forcing it um, if it's not necessary. And so there are certain seasons where I'll do a lot of writing if there's a purpose for it, but other seasons where I don't really do a lot. If there isn't a need or what I feel would be like a calling from the Holy Spirit to write music, then I don't. Um, there's always the technical side of it too. So there's, there's certain maintenance aspects of being a musician that you do, whether you're, you know, inspired to create new music or not, but mm -hmm. I definitely enjoy those seasons and those times where, where um, I get to be a part of that process of creating music. So, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so what do you do? I know oh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. That. sorry. Like sometimes I feel that like the cre in the creative process, when I'm going through something difficult and painful, sometimes those seasons seem to be more um, fruitful, ironically. Like, and maybe it's because I'm relying more on Jesus or I'm seeking him out because of those particular trials. Um, but a lot of times it's in those seasons that it ends up yielding something unique and beautiful versus like, you know, other times. Yeah. So you would tie the the success or I don't know how you would how to word that but <laughs> the uh, you know the music you know when you're on a we're in a good point in a good place when you're producing music it's you would say it's tied to your spirituality but are, are there other things that maybe get your creative juices flowing you know like do you have hobbies you know you go on hikes or you know I know you yeah. played sports in your background you played uh, was it was it basketball yeah I, I played you... basketball growing up but I'm a I I love being out in God's creation I love being out in nature. And I love running. So I just, uh, my way to escape and kind of get out and just to clear my mind and stuff um, 
which is kind of therapeutic for me. It's just to go on runs in, in the forest or whatever, you know, for, if, if I'm on the road somewhere and we're in the mountains and I have a chance to go off for an hour or so and, and just kind of be with God in that sense and, and stuff, I really enjoy getting out and about and kind of having some of that space and that isolation to be with God and to commune with him in that way. Yeah, that's great. Usually when I'm lacking in creative juices for whatever I'm working on, I eat ice cream and then you end up looking like I do. So I should probably, I should probably follow your route <laughs> rather than mine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. I, I knew, I saw that you had, uh, you'd placed like a, uh, you were like state champions, right? In high school. Yeah. Yeah. We were uh, our high school basketball team. My senior year, we were state champions. Yeah. That's great. So do you not play anymore or do you still play? I, pl- I played, I would play like in church pick up games once a week for a few years. And then, and then I, just, I like hurt my finger really bad one time playing them. And then I just got like paranoid. So I'm like, I'm not going to do it anymore. Cause I don't want to like break my hand or something. Like if I wasn't, yeah. wasn't a musician or something, I'll, I would enjoy it. So mm-hmm. I picked up, I found something that I enjoy doing running that has less of, I think a risk for, <laughs> for what I do as a musician. So so yeah, I, but I do, I did enjoy playing basketball, but it's probably been a good decade since I really played. That's good. I was, when you, when you mentioned that you played at a church, I thought maybe he has a cameo on that, that terrible Mormon movie, Church Ball. I don't know if I ever saw that. <laughs> oh man. <I> like, <laughs> oh, those are the days, right? <laughs> yeah. We all, we all grew up, uh, you know, playing some kind of sport in the cultural hall, right? Like yeah. there's somebody's, somebody's ball, trying to ball, do, uh, basketball. yep. Exactly. <laughs> somebody's trying to have a boy scout meeting in the next room or like, you know, young, young women's activity and we're playing basketball and they come and say, Hey, be quiet. Yeah. So true. <laughs> it's kind of great. It's like, even though, you know, we said we have, um, you know, we've embraced the biblical gospel and we trust in Christ alone to save us. You know, there's still a lot of great memories we have as kids probably, you know, growing up in the church and, yeah, absolutely. and doing those kinds of activities. For sure. Yeah. So no, no ill will towards like Mormon people or anything. I love them. And, and it's just like, because of that, because of that fact that I love him, I, I, I want to reach out to them and share the truth with him. That's great. Yeah. Sorry to detour into these uh, other things, but oh, great. You know, if you can't tell, I'm, I'm not the musically inclined. That's Brianna's territory. So like, you know, I'll, I'll divert into other, other areas, but yeah, uh, I no, I can relate <laughs> with you there and eating ice cream for sure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so you talked, you already talked about, uh, Adam's road. So uh, could you ta- tell us a little bit more about the ministry, like maybe the timeline of when it started, who plays a part in it, uh, who yeah. plays which instruments and, and, you know, just, just more details about the ministry. Yeah. So um, we've been together since 2006 and we're all former Mormon Christians and God's brought, taken us all out of Mormonism into a saving or personal relationship with him. Really mainly our main focus is just sharing testimony and using God's word in that and also we write music together collaboratively as a group and our, the big focus is just putting god's word in our lyrics and and so that again god, we believe god's word is living and active sharper than a two-edged sword and so that his word will not return void and so again we we um want to make sure that everything we do like aligns with his word and so if we bring forth a project or a message we're always testing it against scripture and making sure that we collaborate on the process and and that we're all on the same page with that. And so, so, and then about five years ago, um, a little side note to our ministry, Adams Road Piano, which kind of a little branch to Adams Road, was something that I started doing 
in addition to what we do as a ministry. Now, as a, as a ministry, we, we have toured for the last um, 13 years, about four months out of the year, and we'll go all over the U.S. and share testimony of Jesus and, and do programs and, and do outreaches and stuff in partnership with churches in different areas all over the country. And then about five years ago, during our off-season, um, God opened the door for me to also do some piano ministry concerts. And so I started sharing God's word in that way as well. And so it's kind of a little different because I'm not a singer like Lila and Joe, they're, they're really gifted in that way. And so you don't want to go to an event to hear me sing. So I speak God's word. And so I do music in the spoken word. And so, for example, I offer like four programs. Um, they're all over an hour long each. Um, one's like journey through the gospel. It's from Genesis to revelation and it's taking highlights of, of and telling the story of salvation in Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, this good news. I have one that goes through the Gospel of John. I have one that goes through, like, the, the teachings of Jesus, like the Sermon on the Mount and a lot of his parables and things like that. I have one that focuses more on just, like, personal arrangements of different hymns that I really love, uh, Christian hymns that mean a lot to me. And so at any rate, yeah, for the last five or so years, um, I've been doing that. So maybe a couple times a month, I'll go out on a weekend to a certain area. I'll fly there and do uh, two or three or four events in an area and then fly home to be with my family so my wife doesn't kill me. <laughs> but so, and it's an interesting thing in ministry, especially when you travel or like a traveling evangelist, right? If you've got a family at home, it's, it's finding out how can you balance that? When can you take the family along? And when you're not able to, like, um, just like you're still a husband, you still have a calling as a father and, and then finding that balance, which is, it's been an interesting growing process over the years, but but something that's exciting and just fun and always thinking of what Jesus says, what it means to be a disciple. You know, sometimes you have to, you know, leave your wife for a little bit or whatever and just trust that God's going to work all those things out. If he's called you to do something, you just do it. But Nice. So you said you started this like five years ago. Uh-huh. Okay, cool. Yeah. So it was kind of a branch of the ministry and it's interesting. So so like people ask like what inspired you to create this or where did you hope to go with this like um, with Adam's room piano thing. <laughs> um, so so when I first got saved, I actually had what I believe was a vision from the Lord regarding uh, like what I'm doing now with the Adam's room piano ministry. But it was one of those things like, well, where am I ever going to get to that? Like I don't get it. And and it was just one of these things where I've modeled much of what I do with Adam's road piano from that quote unquote vision and also testing that and making sure what, what that entails as far as what I do with Adam's road piano aligns with scripture. And I'll give you kind of a little bit of a rundown of kind of what, what the heart is for Adam's road piano. So it's, it's like another means for testifying to the gospel of the grace of God. Jesus says, as I mentioned already in John six sixty three, he says, the words that I've spoken to you are spirit and life, Right. The Apostle Paul wrote that one of the things we're supposed to do as believers is devote ourselves to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Uh, it's from 1 Timothy 4.13. And we can also read, um, for example, in Psalm 33, 2-3, Give thanks to the Lord with a lyre, make melody to him with the harp of ten strings, uh, sing to him a new song, play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. So that's kind of what I do. I play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts, sharing God's word to serve, refresh, edify the church and proclaim the good news of Jesus to the lost. And I, I hope and plan to do this as long as uh, I believe that's what the Lord's calling me to do. But, you know, as believers, we have to be open to the fact that 
we have to be flexible (laughs) to to know that things can change at any time. So as long as he continues to open doors for me to minister in this way, I'm, I'm happy and thrilled to do so. Awesome. I believe there was something, I don't know if it was what it was. I was researching a little bit about this and I just really liked how, I don't know if it was the title of something, but like hands of war, like the idea, like the scripture behind that, like that was really cool. Yeah, and the idea is this: the spiritual warfare, um, like we we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, and how like the sword of the spirit is the word of God, right? But then it also has this double meaning because I'm also playing the piano, and that's uh, from a psalm, and so you train my hands for war, and just kind of a fun little play on that idea. So. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Brandon, do you have any other questions off the top of your head that you'd like to ask? Uh, I guess. I don't know, maybe you could say this after for after the off recording. Um, but like, when are you guys going to come out or perform or like, so where, where are you? Uh, we are in San Marcos, close to New Braunfels. Um, oh, really? In Texas, right? Uh-huh. We are actually scheduled to be in, um, what's the name of the church? New Braunfels Bible Church. Or there's a church. Yeah. In New- Do you know which church I'm talking about? Yeah, we actually attend know? there. Pastor, you attend. Okay. <laughs> What's the pastor's name? Remind me. Pastor Phil. Phil. Yeah, that's right. Were you, a, were you a part of the church years ago when we we went there when we visited? I I was not here. When okay, so you haven't seen us before. I haven't been able to attend. Oh. No, but I've yeah, been wanting to. I think it's in early October when we're driving back from from the west, kind of on our way back home to Florida. We're stopping by on like a Wednesday night in early. October. Okay. Get on our website and check our calendar. All that information's there. Okay. Thank you. I I really want to see you guys. We plan to go see you guys this year. So (laughs) yeah, I would love to meet you in person for sure. That'll be awesome. (laughs) All right. Now my question that I, that's been burning on the top of my head is (laughs) when are you going to collaborate with Kanye West? (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I don't know if I'm, I'm uh, cool enough to do that. (laughs) We're, He's a pretty uh, famous guy and, and we're not. So, but Hey, if you ever wanted to collaborate with us, you, you can be the connecting point for us, Matthew. Yes. All right. We'll work on it. It'll be Adams road cross Kanye. <laughs> there you go. It'd be like, you know, in Baxter boys and NSYNC or was it Baxter boys and new kids on the block. They teamed up, you know, you know you'll be like, the- <laughs> it makes me think when we first started doing ministry, like, there were four of us guys. Now there's three of us, but we would do a lot of harmonies and we'd wear these old like retro shirts with ties and people would tell us we were the, we were like the Beatles meet Jesus. Or something. <laughs> that's so, great. <laughs> I don't know if we, people would still say that about us, but years ago, that's what they would say. Although back then parents thought it was like uh, Beatles were like, you know, they were like antichrist, right? <laughs> I know. That's, what it's bad. So they meet well, that's great. Thank you, Matt, for, for attending. I really appreciate it. Thank you for your insights. And I love your testimony, your witness for Christ. And uh, yeah, just, just thinking about your life and how the Lord's worked in your life. Uh, I love hearing all the different stories that everybody coming out of the LDS church has and just embracing the gospel and realizing that it's not us, it's about him. And just coming to that knowledge and embracing it is just, it's just a wonderful feeling. And that's why, that's why we do this program. We, we hope that the Latter-day Saints that are listening will know that we have a place of love for them. And that uh, we're doing this out of love. And, and we hope this experience and this interview with Matt is, is, is a blessing to them. And so we, so this time, you know, at the end, we, we'd like to ask you, do you have anything, 
any upcoming projects you're working on, any upcoming uh, tours or anything else you'd like to talk about, websites, anything you'd like to share with our listeners? Sure, yeah. So our website is adamsroadministry.com. And on there, you can find all the information you want about us. All of our testimonies are up there. Any information about our tours, both for, for our full team when we go out in the summer and the fall or any of the piano ministry stuff I do in like the winter and the spring. You can find all that under the calendar section. Um, if you go to our music tab, uh, all of our albums are there. Like as a, as a full team, we have like 10 lyrical uh, albums. And then in addition to that, with the piano ministry aspect of that, there's seven additional albums of like spoken word and instrumental music. We'd encourage you to just get on there and check that out. It's all free and you can download it and let that be a blessing to you. There's a lot of resources for reaching out to Mormons on there as well. And just, just for, for, for the gospel of Jesus Christ in general. Um, yeah, let's see if there's anything else. Oh, also, I personally have a YouTube channel called Adam's Road Piano, and I release weekly content every Monday morning at 7 a.m. So if you guys like the YouTube thing, and I'd encourage you to check it out. And also, we have videos. So if you go to our video section on our website, both for the ministry and for Adam's Road Piano, there's, there's lots of uh, videos on there you can check out of both testimonies and music performances and stuff. That's great. I'm going to have to subscribe and go check out your channel. Sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> going to be doing the same thing here. So I'm excited to see that. <laughs> and I, I'd encourage everyone here who's listening to check them out. They're awesome. Their music is amazing and their ministry. Um, so I guess this is a wrap up for yeah, our, <laughs> Oh, who's that? Just ask be the troublemaker. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Hi. All right, kid, we're finishing up an interview. Love you, kiddo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We don't want to take any more of your time. So, uh, Thank you for joining with us and we really appreciate you and your time. And um, Likewise. And I look forward to meeting you, Brianna. And Matthew, where where you live in, Matt? I'm a perpetual student. It's not even a joke. I feel like I've been in school for my entire life. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a student up in uh, upstate New York in the Capital District. So. Oh, okay. I imagine you're probably not coming up to this neck of the woods anytime soon. We weren't, but they did. They did. I guess you guys recently relieved the, the travel ban got released so we could actually, we actually have a couple of events in New York. So oh, assuming cool. that like there aren't restrictions at that time, uh, we plan to be in your state. We'd love to oh. see you at that point. <laughs> awesome. But mostly people don't want to visit Albany. They want to visit Buffalo out West or they want to visit Rochester right, right. or New York city, you know, it's like people forget the Albany is a thing. So <laughs> <laughs> it's a good metaphor for, for your life in general. I'm sure. No, yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> my life, especially. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'll have to look at those dates and see if there's anything cl close to where i'm living that'd be awesome cool man yeah i would love that all right well uh we'll just wrap this up um and tune in next week for our uh, next episode which will be an interview with fred and his uh coming out of a cult i don't know what the name was so <laughs> please forgive me on that um but yeah uh thank you and <laughs> see you next week we thank you for tuning into this episode of the Outer Brightness Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Please visit the Outer Brightness Podcast page on Facebook. Feel free to send us a message there with comments or questions by clicking send a message at the top of the page, and we would appreciate it if you give the page a like. We also have an Outer Brightness group on Facebook where you can join and interact with us and others as we discuss the podcast, past episodes, and suggestions for future episodes, etc. You can also send us an email at outerbrightness at gmail.com. We hope to hear from you soon. 
You can subscribe to the Outer Brightness Podcast on Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Podbean, Spotify, and Stitcher. Also, you can check out our new YouTube channel, and if you like it, be sure to do lay hands on that subscribe button and confirm it. If you like what you hear, please give us a rating and review wherever you listen and help spread the word. You can also connect with Michael the Ex-Mormon Apologist at FromWaterToWine.org, where he blogs, and sometimes Paul and Matthew do as well. Music for the Outer Brightness podcast is graciously provided by the talented Brianna Flournoy and by Adams Road. Learn more about Adams Road by visiting their ministry page at adamsroadministry.com. Stay bright, flyerflies. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God, the Word made flesh, the risen Son. Heaven and earth will pass away, but the Word of the Lord endures church would remain upon this rock and the gates of hell will not prevail against us cause you have power to keep your word unspoiled in purity heaven and Lord, we hear